Welcome to the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk all about consulting. Why would you want to listen to this episode? Well, let me tell you, as the working landscape has shifted over the last few years, we are seeing more and more professionals turn to freelance or contract work. And according to Forbes and other sources, we've seen COVID as a major accelerant to the shift of people turning to contract-based work. So maybe it's time for you to make a pivot into the world of consulting, and you just may have so many questions coming into this episode. What are some things I need to think about for my transition? How do I represent myself on paper and online? Well, this is your episode. Today, I brought on Mike or Michael Zapersky, co-founder of Consulting Success. Michael is the best-selling author of three books on consulting and has spent the last 20 years building consulting businesses and advising companies such as Panasonic, Financial Times, Dow Jones, and Royal Bank. Over 7,000 consultants have learned from his programs on how to build a successful consulting practice. So as you can see, Michael is just going to be amazing. And this episode is going to help you out if you're thinking about making the pivot to consulting. Let's launch right into it. This is episode 175 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? I'm great. How's it going, Chris? Great. It's great to have you on the show. It's our first consulting episode ever, and I'm glad after 175, we finally made the transition. So I think, you know, to be honest, would be no better way to open up than to hear about your story and your pivot to consulting and also telling us about who you typically help and serve through consulting success. Sure. How, how far back uh, do you want to go in, in the story? Oh, great question. Talk about that first initial moment when you felt like it was time. I mean, I got started actually between when I was transitioning from or, or going from high school into college and, and university. And that's when I launched my first business with my cousin and business partner, Sam. That was back in those days. So we're talking now 21 years ago or so. Yeah. Uh, so early-ish days of web design and development. And that's what our company was. It was called Fingertip Media. And we worked with all different types of businesses, helping them with their web presence. And so Sam was really focused on the creative and the design kind of development side. And I kind of land or landed in the place of managing the client communications and the marketing and the contracts and, and all that kind of stuff. And so that was really, you know, my first foray into consulting, essentially, you know, providing advice and strategic recommendations to business owners. And then fast forward from there, a few years later, you know, we had some great experience there, but as we ourselves becoming more mature and, and seeing more <laughs> opportunities and the direction that we want to go, we realized that you know we didn't want to just do only websites. Right. Uh, we wanted to to help companies more with their overall brand from a visual perspective as well as marketing. And so we started another company which was called Kanke Culture, and Kanke is the Japanese word for relationship. So we've always been big on this idea that you know business is about relationships more than anything else. And so we had a strong interest in Asia, and at that time. Japan was the you know kind of the top economy in Asia, and so we called it Kanke Culture. And a couple of years into that, I actually went over to Japan, lived there for five or six years, and opened up our branch office. So that's where I had a great opportunity to work with some very large Japanese organizations like Panasonic and Dow Jones Japan, Financial wow, Times Japan, love it. 
Sumitomo, you know, Kawasaki, a whole bunch of, of others. And so that's kind of how it all, all got started. And, you know, about 10 or so years into that process of building, we had a few other companies kind of during that time as well that we were doing on the side and in different industries, but we were always focused on consulting type of business, working with organizations. We realized, you know, we said we'd like to to create a business that we could also run online. And this was actually after I had now returned back to North America, started another consulting business called Relogy Consulting. Relogy stand for or stood for relationship strategy. And that was a lead generation firm for professional service companies. So like law firms, insurance, investment, other consulting companies. And Sam was now actually in Japan. And so we kind of crossed the Pacific at different times. And he was working for an English language newspaper, kind of magazine in Japan, doing marketing and sales for them. But we were at a family barbecue one day. And we said, you know what, let's kind of like do business again together. But this time, let's do something online. And so we started Consulting Success as a place just to share our experiences of what was working as consultants and building a consulting business and what wasn't working. And so we had no monetization plan. It wasn't really a business to begin with. It was just a place to share stories from the trenches and best practices. And yeah. we really saw it uh, take off and you know, had more and more people reaching out and saying, really appreciate these articles, these insights. You have a course where we can go more detailed and like learn more about becoming a successful consultant. And we said, no, we don't, but that's a great idea. We'll create one. And so we created a course for that and people went through it. And so this is really great. You know, Can we work with you more closely? You have a coaching program. And we said, no, we don't, but we can create one. And so we did. And that's now been about 11 years ago where we've worked with over 450 consultants personally through our coaching program. Several thousand people have gone through our training programs. And it's been you know, really my core focus for a decade now of helping consultants all over the world in many different industries to grow successful consulting businesses. That's amazing. It, it sounds like this has been in your blood for a long time. So this is, this is something that you felt called for. Just no temptation whatsoever to go to the corporate world at all. So that's a great question. And I did have a temptation. So I started doing all kinds of jobs when I was young. My stepfather has passed away, but you know, many years ago, he was an entrepreneur. He was originally from New York, uh, moved to, to Vancouver, you know, a tough guy from the Bronx. And we always would, would have conversations, but he was in like consumer electronics and he exposed me to a whole world of entrepreneurship that I never really knew existed. But from a young age, I had all different types of ideas about building the corporate world. And in fact, what I really wanted to do was to work for one of the large Japanese trading houses. So a company like a Sumitomo or a Mitsui or something like that. I was based in Vancouver and I applied to some of the local Japanese trading houses where, and when I say trading house, I'm not referring to like trading stocks. These were essentially, you know, massive multi-billion dollar organizations that had their hands in all types of different industries. And I just wanted to be this guy wearing the suit, traveling around the world, just doing cool deals and meeting interesting people. And I applied once to to some of those. Actually, I don't know if I've ever even talked about this before. And it went nowhere. I, like just no response. I probably followed up a couple of times. It just nothing, nothing happened from it. But that experience right, led me to, okay, that didn't work. And so I, I went in a different path and I never looked back since. And so, yeah, you know, for the last 21 years, I've worked with many different organizations and companies, but I, I never actually entered the corporate world myself. In Japan, at period, I was doing some stuff for a market research firm and then a company that was doing some English in large corporations. But even at that time, I've, I've always been running a business. And so that's that definitely is in my blood. And I, I can't imagine <laughs> Same. anything except for that. Same. I think your story, just how many years you've spent in it, I think is just a great example for other people who are looking 
to delve along the same path into consulting. So right now I do want to make a shift and talk to that person who is deciding whether or not this path is going to be good for them. The question I had is, should I even start that consulting business? So where do I even begin? Yeah, I mean, it's a really great question. And I was just like literally before we jumped on here, Chris, I was speaking to a new client who is actually in that transition point right now. They're still working their corporate job. They're feeling tired of it. They're, they're not enjoying it. There's a bit of a longer commute than they would like. And they just feel like they're, you know, they're not able to realize their full potential. They're being kind of held back and held down by, yeah. by the organization that they're in. And that's what we see a lot you know, with all the clients we work with who have come to us to kind of make that transition or even after they've made that transition, you know, it's typically because they want to realize their full potential and they don't feel like yeah. they're able to do that in the corporate world. They also want more freedom. They want to be able to kind of manage their own schedule, spend more time with their kids or their loved ones, be able to travel or also to not have any kind of income ceiling. You know, when you're running your own business, the sky's the limit. You, yeah. you can always create more wealth and more income if you want. Whereas in, a, in, a, in an organization, that's not always possible. So I would say, you know, if you're in that place right now where you have been feeling like for a while or maybe recently that you feel like you can achieve more and you feel like you're not realizing your potential, you have skills. I mean, the number one thing to be able to be successful as a consultant is the ability to provide value to the client that you're working with, whether it's a nonprofit, you know, a startup or a multi-billion dollar organization, you have to be able to create value, to solve a problem, right? To create a result. If you have that skill set, if you have that ability, whether you've been working in an organization for three years or 30 years, if you have, you know, an area of expertise where again, where you can add value, then you have the right fundamental ingredients to be a successful consultant. I love that. And I also had a thinking of a story as you were talking about this gentleman who came to me with a re his resume, who said he'd been out of work for, I think, the last year or two. And during the time that he wasn't working for a company, he ended up consulting, doing his own consulting and reaching out and finding clients and ended up just absolutely loving it to the point to where he did it for way longer than he thought he would. So is that something that you've seen or is that something you even might recommend for some people who are out of work today? Oh, I mean, hundred percent. Again, so if you have a skill, if you're able to provide value to, to someone, then essentially what you're doing is rather than working for one employer, right? Or with one employer, you're able to apply your, your skills and your knowledge and your expertise to, to multiple organizations. That to me, you know, people often say, the idea of having a job like a nine to five is stable, right? That's kind of like the old mindset or the old right. paradigm. But these days, that's not so true, right? You know, being kind of like a lifer in one company, that doesn't really exist for most people. And I actually think that true stability is not working in a company. True stability is taking your own destiny into your own hands and being able to create what you want, you know, as a consultant. And I'll make a definition or a distinction in a moment between a consultant and a consulting business owner. But if you're a consulting business owner, really what you're able to, to do is, you know, you can have as many clients as you want and, and you're able to create a lot more diversification. If you have one employer and something happens to that company, you know, you're out of a job. Right. Well, if you have five clients, 10 clients, whatever number of clients you have, if one of them drops off or two of them drop off, you know, it's unlikely that all of them were going to drop off all at the same time. And so you're actually able to build a lot more stability into your, your day to day than working kind of that typical nine to five. That makes total sense. And I think I've always been talking about the diversification and I'm glad you brought that up as a principle. It's more financially stable and secure. You sold me. I mean, I, I'm sure you've sold half or more than way more than half of the audience who are just kind of thinking about consulting. You've done a good job there. So let's say I actually am going to make that pivot. What is step one in my journey? Let me try and unsell you first because I think it's important <laughs> that, that you know you and everyone who might... 
yeah, who might be considering this, like knows that the distinction between a, a consultant and a consulting business owner, right? Sure. So you can be a consultant, which essentially, you know, is doing the work of, of a consultant, right? Providing advice and expertise and strategy and whatever it might be, some implementation at times. And you can do that working for an organization. You can do that, like you can have, you can call yourself a consultant, have one client, you know, work with them full time, and you can call yourself a consultant. But that's very different from being a consulting business owner. A consulting business owner is not focused on only doing the work. They're also focused on building a business because even if you call yourself a consultant and you have, you know, one client, maybe two, but let's say, you know, one core client, you're maybe getting all your business from one place, like one agency or one other firm. You are a consultant, but you're not a consulting business owner because you don't have a business. Because if that one client goes away or that one contract stops, it's the same thing as having an employer, you know, one right. one source of income. Right. And so that's why kind of being held by them, like they're captive in a way. Correct. I mean, it's yeah, it's just you have all of your eggs in one basket. And so yeah. We have a lot of people who have done that where they say, yeah, I've been doing a year long or two year long, whatever, very lucrative contract working with one company. I'm a consultant for them. I say, yeah, you're a consultant, but you're not a consulting business owner. And the reason why they reach out to us is because at some point they realize that they don't want to keep having to hunt like for that next opportunity and restart that they want to put a system in place. They want to have you know, yeah. their marketing in there. They want to actually build a business. And so here's the distinction. Here's the kind of the part where I'll say, I'll try and unsell some of you maybe because I don't believe that everyone needs to become a consultant. It's just something right. to for you to think about and you want to make sure it's the right fit. And that is that to be a consulting business owner, it's the same thing as being an entrepreneur. It's the same thing as being any kind of business owner where you need to work on the business. You can't just do the work. You can't always only do things that you enjoy. You, yeah. you need to come into this with a mindset of, okay, I'm going to likely venture into the zone of the unknown. I'm going to do some things that I'm not necessarily going to be comfortable with all the time. For example, reaching out to people that I don't know. For example, talking about how you know good you are and and how you can actually help people. You're going to have to toot your own horn. You're going to have to, you know, go to places, whether it's networking or virtual or reach out to different publications or reach out to audio clients, not only once, but consistently over and over again. This is how you build a business, right? You create, you go from being unknown to becoming known, from invisible to becoming visible. And then you have to always work on yourself and develop your own intellectual property and content and share your ideas and share your expertise. You know, all these things need to happen over Absolutely. a long period of time. And that's how you build success. But to do that, if you're committed to doing that, if you're willing to do that, then you can achieve everything that you want in terms of control of your own schedule, realizing your full potential, having you know unlimited income, wealth, all that kind of stuff. So I would just say for people to think, you know, will you commit to it? If you're going to commit to it, then you can be very successful. But if you think that you're the kind of person that the idea of doing that freaks you out and you're likely going to look for any excuse or, or reason not to move forward, then maybe staying in the corporate world would be better for you. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. I've had a few people over the last month just ask me, you know, whether or not being a resume consultant, because really I started my company off with just me being freelance, helping people with their resumes. So people asking me about my journey and whether it'd be worth it for them. And you're giving me flashbacks to how hard I had to work to get those first clients in the very beginning, had to go and really underpriced myself in the very beginning. So I imagine things might've been different if I saw you initially in the beginning, but it was hard. It was absolutely sales. It was absolutely marketing. It was all of that kind of stuff, but I loved it. And for me, it ended up being one of the best things that I've done in my life because it's evolved to this really beautiful thing called Let's Eat Grandma. I think you're spot on. It is, it's entrepreneurship. It's hand in hand there. So Mike, what's that process? If I'm making the leap to become a consultant or I am sold on it, What's the first thing that I should do? All right. So, I mean, the first, let's just take the example here of that you're still maybe working in a corporate role 
the first place is to look at, can you transition and shift your employer to actually become your first client? Always a great starting point. If you can, and there's different ways to do that. I don't know if we have time to get into them all, but let's just say that you know that's one step. The, the next step would be to start leveraging your network, right? Looking at all the different people that you know, personally, professionally, you know, vendors, clients, suppliers, people that you went to school with, people that you've worked in different positions with and, you know, over the years, all that kind of stuff. Essentially, you, again, you want to go from being unknown to becoming known. And so the way that you do that is by letting the world know that you exist and what you focus is. And this is really critical because if someone doesn't know what you do, they don't know what problem you solve and what kind of result you can enable, then they're not going to think of you when they have that problem. And this is an area where I see a lot of consultants and especially new consultants struggle with because they want to wait for everything to be ready. It's like, I need to have my website perfect. Right. I need to have my LinkedIn. I need to get my messaging, my offering, my product. Like they want to build the business before they start telling the world. But that's actually the, the exact opposite. You need to start telling the world so you can have more conversations, so you can start to create you know, more opportunities. And then you start figuring things out. It doesn't mean that you don't think at all about your website or at all about right. your messaging. You should start those things, but they don't need to be perfect because perfection, first of all, doesn't exist. But even getting them better is the direct result of the feedback from the conversation that you have with your ideal clients. And so the more conversations that you have, the better. So you start talking. So that's number two. The third part then for someone in that making that transition would be to get very clear about who their ideal client really is. So you're saying that the first thing you do is you start talking before you get clear on the types of work you want to do versus I'm always thinking like whenever I go for something, it helps me to get clear. But you're saying it's just it's better to just get the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, so I think you're you're adding a really important distinction, which is I'm referring to somebody that already knows, you know, what area they they want to play in, right? So right. let's just say that you've transitioned out of working in whatever, like food and beverage, right? And so you're an expert in that space, and you've been a corp in like a marketing director for food and beverage companies for the last 20 years, and now you want to go out on on your own. You know, the smart thing to just start doing would be to let your network know, hey, you know, hey guys, like I'm now making the shift. I just started my own consulting business. You know, I've been spending the last 20 years helping brands to build in food and beverage. That's like, yeah. So if you know anyone, right? Or maybe there's just by letting people know that you're making that shift, there's people that already know you that would love to work with you, but they didn't know that you were available because they thought you, you know, you had that full-time job. So that that's what I'm referring to. If someone has no idea what they should be doing, then yeah, you should be thinking about some of these other things before you start telling the world. But if you already know like you have a lot of expertise, then just even getting it out there is better than waiting. That's the distinction. And then the next part of it, which is really the foundation, now that we've kind of taken care of those two things, like that's just low-hanging fruit to just start getting some momentum out there is number one, getting clear about who your ideal clients are. And this is an area that a lot of people struggle with because they feel like they have the skill set to essentially work with many different people. But from a starting point, actually the more narrow and focused that you are, the better. So, you know, there's a whole process that we have called the niche scoring method where you go through and you look at things like your potential, the market demand, you know, your skills, your expertise, results, passion, all these kinds of things. And you can score it based on the different industries or different potential ideal client kind of sets. And then that helps you to get to make a decision of where to start. That's then the next thing is getting very clear about like who's the true ideal client that's most likely to need what I have to offer, who's, you know, going to be a great buyer, who I would really like to work with, who I already have experience creating great results for. Do you ever uh, come up number- with the, the non-ideal client, the person you never want to work for? Yeah. I mean, that's a great one to, to look at as well. And, and some people don't know who that is because they haven't yet had those experiences. But with all of this, like this whole process, it's evolution, right? It's not something that you just do once and you put it away and you're done. Yeah. You're going to always want to look at who your ideal clients are. And so the same with the next part, which is your what we call the magnetic message, it's the message that you develop to get the attention and interest of your ideal clients, one that will really resonate with them, one will, that will 
get them to say, hey, that's interesting. Tell me more, like, you know, raising their hand. And so to do that, there's a formula that we use, but essentially you hit on, you know, who your ideal client is, what is the problem that, that they have that is top of mind for them. And then third part of that is, you know, why should they choose you? So what makes you unique? What's your advantage compared to others in the marketplace? And so that's the next part is developing your message, which you can then take and you can apply it to your website, to your LinkedIn profile, to emails that you send or phone calls you make. Or when someone says like, hey, Chris, what do you do? You don't just go like, oh, um, yeah, I do business consulting or like, it's just too vague, right? You know, I help innovative startups in the food and beverage space to fill in the blank right now. It's very clear. So if I'm in that space or I know someone, I can now go, oh yeah, that, that Chris guy I met, that's exactly what he does. I should connect you. Whereas if I just said, oh, I'm like a marketing consultant or business consultant, it doesn't mean anything because everyone can say that. That's the second part of kind of the foundation. So first is ideal client. Second is your magnetic message. And then third would be to start to look at what we call your service offerings or strategic offers. And so this is where you look at all of your skills, your experience, you kind of break down, you, you package it, you position it, you place value on it. And you price it in a way that will align with what your ideal clients truly want. So this is now a whole bunch of considerations are connected to this in terms of like, what is your model? As a consultant, there's different consulting models that are proven to work. So figuring out the right model for you and for the market and what you want to create in your lifestyle is important. And then based on that, you can then look at how can you create you know, great results for clients and how do you want to deliver that and how do you want to interact yeah. and how do you position it and price it, all that kind of stuff. So that's the whole strategic offers component of someone really thinking through, listen, I have all these skills that I've developed over the years, all these different ways that I can help people. What's going to actually be the best? What's going to work best for clients? What's going to create the greatest and highest level of of results with the lowest typically level of involvement and intensity on on your part, therefore providing fantastic return on investment for the client and a high level of compensation for you, the consultant. And then the fourth part of this foundation of the system that, that we use is what we call the marketing engine. And so this is now all about how to get in front of your ideal clients consistently. Um, so it's not just about throwing stuff at the wall and hoping that something sticks. It's about going, okay, I now know exactly who my ideal client is. I have a message that I believe will resonate with them and get their attention and interest. And when I start to talk to them, I know what I can talk to them about, or at least frame our conversation you know, around a way that I can potentially help them if they are an ideal client. And so now the marketing system is all about three core things, which is uh, outreach, so getting in front of the right ideal client consistently. Yeah. Follow up. How do you follow up and stay in front of those people consistently? And then content. How do you develop content that positions you as an authority, as an expert, as a real source of information that your ideal clients will value? And then learning how to take that content or that intellectual property and embedding it, you know, into your outreach and into your follow up, so that you're not just reaching out to people because this is the part for a lot of people that's uncomfortable. It's not just about getting in front of people and saying, hey, I have this great you know, gizmo. Do you want to buy it or buy my service because I'm awesome? It's about really adding value for them and finding ways to strengthen or, and create that relationship and then strengthen that relationship based on value that you provide, new ideas, new content. And so people are actually excited to hear from you and they appreciate you and they know what it is that you do and they're always thinking of you. And so when you have that content, it doesn't have to be a lot of it, but when you have some of it, then you're able to start putting that in front of ideal clients. And so you don't have to have a ton of content, but that certainly can help you as part of it. So those three things come together to form the marketing engine and the four of those, the kind of the four phases of the overall system that really yeah. help people go from, you know, being in the corporate world to creating a successful consulting business. Well, thank you for really breaking down those four phases there because my yeah. intent with that question really was to put people kind of in the perspective or 
you know, kind of like run through their minds of what this would look like. And so if people are visualizing themselves doing these things and getting that excitement, then it maybe it just might be a hint that this is the right path for them. So thanks for breaking that down. That was awesome. Yeah, my pleasure. And, and if it turns people off and they go like, oh, that, that just sounds <laughs> yeah. dreadful, right? Then they, they probably know that it's not the right fit for them as well. But yeah, I mean, and of course, each one of those phases, there's a lot more depth and detail that you need to consider. But if you have those in place, it's really important. Like a lot of people, yeah. they won't really focus on enough on their ideal client or on their message and, or their messages, let's say too general. So they're doing a whole bunch of activity, like they're on LinkedIn or they're sending emails or doing ads or whatever it might be, but there's no clarity on the ideal client. There's no real message that's going to get their attention, their interest. And so then they say, well, why am I not getting results? Because right. again, they don't have that foundation. So that foundation part is much more important than the latest tools, tricks, automation, technology. It's about getting that in place yeah. first, and then you can really build on it. Well, in a second, I'm going to ask about your top advice on the resume, LinkedIn, or we'll call them the superficials, but the making yourself look good on paper before we round out this episode. But first, before I do that, I do want to ask about something that is a pain point for a lot of people, which is just getting sales, getting sales and actually getting like getting that business. It's tough, especially in times like this where people may feel like things are more scarce. What advice really would you give for people who are looking to make those sales, especially when there are either competitive environments or just like maybe a tough time like right now? Yeah. So the first thing to remember is that a sale is the result of a conversation. So we're talking specifically here about consulting or any kind of higher level or higher value product or service that you might be selling, right? So we're not talking about selling socks or you know a can of soda or something like that, right? which is a, more of a commodity and, and right. you don't have to have a conversation. But when we're talking about professional services, consulting and so forth, you're going to have a conversation with the buyer because the decision for them requires a lot of potential risk or a big investment of time, money, resources, all that kind of stuff. And so what I think a lot of people do when it comes to sales, they try and do everything but have a conversation, right? They spend a lot of time like on their website or on these different marketing materials or just, you know, they're busy in their business but they're doing everything except for actually having conversations. So if you mm. want to make more sales, what you should be focused on is having conversations because just work backwards, like reverse engineer it, right? You know, what you have is say you have, you win a project, you win an engagement. Well, what happens before that? You know, you provide a proposal. What happens before that? You have a conversation. If you look at those things, you need to have a conversation to be able to make a proposal to be able to win business. So what you should be focused on, if you want to make more sales, is having more conversation. And also what you should be focused on is making more offers. But the way that you do that in, in a way that aligns with what your ideal clients truly want and therefore you know, is more successful is uh, learning to ask really great questions in those conversations. It's not about going in and just talking about what you can provide and what you can offer and how great your methodology is and your approach. Yeah. It's about really understanding you know, what are the problems that this person is facing, providing them with some ideas and some insights, asking very deep and meaningful questions so they can see not only the value that they're kind of capture by taking a step forward, but also what do they stand to lose if they don't take action, if they just stay where they are, right? So we talk about the return on investment ROI, but there's also what's called COI, cost of inaction. And so there's a whole bunch of questions that are important to ask because these are the questions that ultimately get to the core of what's going to drive somebody to move forward. And these are also the questions that will help to for the consultant to identify the value in that engagement would impact your pricing so you can earn more with every project you take yeah. on. But also asking really deep, meaningful questions conveys value to your ideal client because they start thinking to themselves like, wow, this person's asked me questions that no one's asked me before. And I'm now starting to see things that I didn't see before. And oh, I never thought about it that way. That's interesting. That whole process of just having that conversation is already positioning you as an authority and expert because 
you're much more meaningful and kind of intent and focused compared to others out there that are just you know putting up some slides and saying, hey, here's what we do. Here's why you should buy from us. And so now you're already creating distinction and differentiation. So if you want to make more sales, have more conversations, ask better questions, make more offers. I love that. Such good advice there. A question that did pop up in the very beginning was if I was looking to do this in 2019 and let's say I was doing something for the resume business, I might attend like a career talk and start networking with some of the people who are a part of that talk or career coaches or things like that. What would you say now for those people who think it's tough to start those conversations and have conversations because we are pretty much 100% virtual right now? Let's just take then your business for a minute, right? So providing like resume services, right? And career advice and all that kind of stuff. So there's going to be communities of people who are right now looking for help with their resumes or you know, they want to move to the next level in their career. So there's going to be communities on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on different platforms. You can just tap into those communities. There's also opportunities like this, right? To jump on a podcast that are career-related, get in front of your ideal clients that way who you know, are listening to those podcasts. There's also going to be people who run blogs, professional associations or groups. And you can go to those places and say, hey, I'd love to write an article for you, or I'd love to do a webinar for your people or whatever. So there's many, many ways, even during this time right now, of a lot of uncertainty and kind of chaos going on in the world that you can still get in front of your ideal client. Don't use what's happening right now as an excuse for inaction. Your ideal clients right now had problems before COVID and they likely have even more problems during COVID. And so for you, and I don't mean you specifically, Chris, but anyone out there and listening to this, you know, be a source of value, be a source of inspiration and motivation, information that can help people. It doesn't matter if you can't meet them face to face, you can still find ways to get in front of those people. I actually do use you as an example, Michael, because I've never met you or seen you in person, but we met a few weeks ago, you know, through online. And I think LinkedIn is a great opportunity reaching out via email and things like that. And even despite it being COVID, I've met more podcast guests more frequently than any other time I have in the past. So it is possible. And I think it's a good example. So one more quick thing before I round out with your last piece of advice here, but what is your top tip for the consulting resume? Okay. So I mean, the first thing is I don't often talk to consultants about, I don't use the word resume, but we take LinkedIn as an example, because if you're a consultant, you're not going to be asked for a resume very often, or if you are typically a sign that you're not talking to maybe the right buyer. But regardless, the, the advice I would have is the same, which is to focus on where you've worked or where you've gone to school or, you know, kind of like what you've done, focus on the results meaning make a list of all the specific achievements that you create. What are the problems that you solve? So even going deeper than that, as an example, or more specific, you know, let's say you, you worked on one project and you were able to increase productivity by 25%. Say that. If you were involved in a project or an engagement or whatever it was, an initiative, and you're able to increase sales by 75%, say that. If you're able to you know, minimize or reduce employee turnover by a certain percentage, say that. So say it. Results. Yeah, like every achievement that you have, even if you've been working as an employee in multiple organizations or one organization, you've likely worked on, you know, tens or hundreds of different projects during that time. And every one, every project, you might be able to pull out two to three different kind of points of success, of progress, of, you know, of result or value created. These are things that you want to capture. And then you want to document those because what a lot of people do is they don't. They just talk very general, like, oh, I worked this place and I did, I did leadership or I did this or that. That doesn't mean anything because anyone says anyone can say that and most people do say it. And so if other people are saying the same thing as you, then you just become a commodity. But if you get very specific and very detailed and you're hitting on the value and problems that you solved and the results that you achieved, 
what that does is it speaks right to what your ideal clients or even, you know, in the case of, let's say you want to join a consulting firm, that also would be important to do, right? Regardless is because the achievements and results is what will separate you because it actually demonstrates that, you know, you've really made things happen. I think more and more what we're seeing in the economy and society these days is that a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of yeah, even, you know, very successful companies, they don't care about your education necessarily as much as they did before. It's not even about how many different companies you've worked in or, or which companies you worked in, although that can be a factor. It's more about, you know, what progress, like, what have you done? You know, if you create like a really cool app that sold really well, but you've never, you never went to university, you could still be very successful. And there's companies that want that. So we're seeing that more and more, you know, at all different levels that companies don't necessarily just care where you worked or what your educational background is even more important about like, what have you done? You know, what specific achievements, accomplishments, results, value have you created? Because that actually shows what you've been able to do and therefore what you're likely to be able to do going forward. Love it. Totally agree. Results, results, results. Because also those are the things that really tit, kind of pop out and grab my interest on a resume anyway. Yes. So don't be like 90% of all the other resumes and just include the same generic thing and buzzwords and, and stuff like that. So yeah. it's good advice. Awesome. Well, you've been a great guest. I want to hear if you have any final words of advice for career warriors. On what you want in life, live it to the full, realize your potential. Don't let anyone hold you back or any preconceived notions or limiting beliefs. You know, we all come from different places. We have different backgrounds, different situations, but you can definitely go wherever you want and realize what you want. So get clear on what that is and then figure out what you need to make it happen. If you need to reach out to someone that's been in that position and ask for some advice, do that, do whatever you need to do, but yeah, but don't hold back. Uh, live it to the fullest. Well, Mike, you've been awesome. Michael Zapersky, co-founder of Consulting Success. I want to hear about how we can get in touch with you and find out more about you. Yeah, definitely. So consultingsuccess.com is kind of home to, to everything. We have about a thousand articles on the site for people who are either transitioning to becoming consultants or have been consulting for several years and want to grow to that next level. We also have the Consulting Success Podcast where we bring on successful consultants and feature their stories and journey, and then lots of videos. And we have a couple of different programs for people as well who want to get much more detailed and have that support. And then there's also the books. I also put out a book recently during kind of these times of COVID called mm. Act Now, How Successful Consultants Thrive During Chaos and Uncertainty where I interviewed six thought leaders in the space about what they were doing. And I also share what, what we've been doing during this time to make the most of it and actually set us up to, to thrive, not just to survive. And what's interesting is the advice and insights in that book among all people was very similar. And so we distilled that down into a book. It's available, of course, on Amazon and Kindle and, and Audible. But if people want to get a copy of the book for free, you get a digital copy for free by going to consultingsuccess.com forward slash act now. Awesome. And so for those of you listeners, you know what I like to do. I will drop the links or the URLs within the description of this podcast. Apple tends to be better about hyperlinking. So check it out there. If you're having trouble with Spotify, that will be good. Use those resources to your advantage and do your research if this is something that you are interested in delving into. All right, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. You were great. Hey, Chris, thank you so much and keep it up 175 and looking forward to seeing many more from you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, this concludes episode 175 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. I just get so excited when it comes to the world of consulting and freelance, just because I know the opportunity that exists out there, especially at times like these. And I think this is, like I said at the beginning of this episode, one of the best decisions I've made to go from a company working for someone else to working for myself. 
it was a big game changer for me. And if this is something that resonated with you, it can definitely be a game changer for you as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll make sure to drop those links and see you next time.